Today's guest is Byron Balitsas. He is a leading expert of the Urantia book with training in philosophy, history, and theology. He is the author of the book, Your Evolving Soul, The Cosmic Spirituality of the Urantia Revelations, as well as he is the publisher, editor, and co-author of numerous acclaimed and award-winning books, including many related to the Urantia Revelation. He has been a student of the Urantia book for four decades, and he has spoken about its teaching at many conferences on innumerable radio and television programs. Byron, thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time this evening. I really appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Jeff. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on your show. Mm-hmm. appreciate it a lot. All right. I know a little bit about the Urantia book, and I'm guessing a lot of my audience may not know a little bit or only know a little bit either or as well. So can we start with um, just the basics like the Arantia for dummies? Well, okay, let's go. You know, it's not really so much about a book as about um, the relationship with spirit, with the divine um, as it's unfolding over the centuries. And uh, we've received uh, teachings, revelations in the past but uh, nothing in book form in this way. There's been certainly oracular Mm -hmm. revelations, channelings, and even in the Bible, there's channeling. The prophets were really like channels, and Moses was in a way of great channel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And these things got written down in inspired writings. Uh, Certainly we have that in in, uh, Hinduism and even Buddhism. Now there was a need for an update on particularly on Christianity. And it makes sense when you think about it, that Christianity has, you know, this ancient text, that's beautiful, awesome text, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, uh, you know, getting a little bit out of date there. (laughs) So, you know, really, you know, think about it. If if the, if, if the, if the divine is parental, like a parent to you at a certain point, your parents going to take care of your needs. Yeah. And we need something um, like this in the troubled times that we're in. So they, uh, they being the celestials, as we call them, or the revelators, or the authors of this, uh, purportedly the celestial beings wrote this text. So, you know, it's kind of a big claim. <laughs> so you need some big evidence for this big claim mm-hmm. that it was written by, you know, non-human beings. And the evidence, well, part of the evidence is, is that there's been copyright lawsuits over this book and uh, the original publisher lost all the, all the lawsuits because they could never produce any evidence of an author. Hmm. None, zero, nothing. Interesting. And, you know, come up with a book, it's 20, 2,100 pages coherent from beginning to end. And there's no author, no editor, no nothing. And they copyrighted it anyway because it made sense to protect it in the, in the beginning. But they couldn't—no challenge. Uh, they couldn't stand up to any challenge because. They, and the, so, the, basically, the court said, you, "You, if you can't produce an author, then the, there is no copyright." Hmm. So the, that's the that's the big evidence that that there's no author because any, nobody would write this thing and not have any human connection to get, you know, to make a little bit of money or something because, you know, it costs thousands of dollars to typeset and print this thing. I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands when you think about it, Mm -hmm. because they've sold 600,000 or 700,000 copies. Hmm. 
and and is you know nobody's collecting any royalties or anything like that. It's just all donations. So, you know, this is all very uh, charitable uh, gift of mankind without an author. So we think it is celestial. And you know, I was a, a book editor and a book publisher for 22 years, and I'm basically retired. <clears throat> and it's you know it's hard for somebody to write 20 pages, let alone 200 pages let alone 2000 pages mm-hmm. and not take credit. I mean, who does yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we think it is revelatory and even if it, it's somebody wrote it, it's, you know, I've, I've been in basically been in, you know, in philosophy and theology graduate school for much of my life seems like, and I've just never seen anything that compares to it in terms of, uh, you know, philosophy uh, of religion, mm-hmm. what Christianity is, who God is, what the soul is, and even stuff about uh, about um, an NDE, although we got different terminology for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly it is a primary text if you want to know about soul evolution. And so I wrote a book about the, that aspect of mm-hmm. it, and it's, uh, it's the first book on that. And uh, But, you know, the soul aspect of the Ranch book is – Really, a lot of int- a lot of great interest to anybody interested in the in the paranormal. Would you say that even just the information or the data from the book itself is too complex or too d- deep for just one person to write? Uh, you know, this was uh, written um, in the '30s before computers, so it would have been it would have taken a massive, uh, you know, just the editorial challenge to put together science philosophy religion history and to concoct it you know right to make it up mm-hmm. and then foist it you would have needed you know a dozen professional editors to pull it together i don't think it's possible because mm. i've edited over 50 books i mean there's no way you can do you know it's just you know i wouldn't be you know who would who would do this mm-hmm. for what yeah. because it's all benign and it's all you know, extremely uh, beautiful and inspiring. So there's a worldwide movement, you know, it's in 15 languages and, you know, it's Christians all over the world. It just, just people just go uh, into uh, ecstatic states when they read this thing, because it's an update, you know, particularly if you have an interest in, in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you got in the old Testament, these wonderful stories, you know, they're just fabulous. I love the new Testament, mm-hmm. not old to the new Testament. And mm-hmm. in the new Testament, <clears throat> you know, the, this story is like a skeleton of the story. And now imagine filling all, all that in and giving you 700 page biography of Jesus, mm-hmm. 20 pages. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, every little event, you know, you name it, you know, the wedding at Cana where he turned water into wine. That's like this much in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the rancher books, the whole chapter. Wow. You know, so imagine that being fleshed out. Yeah. What would that be like? You know, if you're a Christian, you know, so, you know, Christians say to me, like, well, how could you, how could you ever, you know, claim to have something that supersedes the New Testament? How audacious of you, you know, it's not me, number one, number two, um, it is totally friendly to the Bible. It's Bible friendly. It, mm-hmm. it actually has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of references to passages in the Bible. It's, it's like you take a passage from the Bible. And it and it builds out from that, mm-hmm. so it's totally biblical. Uh, I wouldn't say Bible centric, but I would say Bible friendly. Mm-hmm. It has all the main doctrines of Christianity, except with a few exceptions. 
So, for example, the Trinity, the Incarnation, mm -hmm. uh, the Divinity of Christ, um, all the main teachings in the Creed, Nicene Creed, um, are are in in the Arantia book, but expanded, but without the virgin birth. Mm -hmm. Does the book cover any other religions, or does it basically stick to Christianity? And if so, why do you think it only stuck with Christianity? What it does is it states that that Christianity is the supreme revelation to our planet, and the name of the planet is Urantia. Mm. So the celestials look down on us, and that's the name they use, right? Mm. So it, the supreme uh, revelation to any planet is to have an incarnation of the Creator. You know, mm -hmm. that's big, right. Right. and it's it's not uh, it's not any. Simple matter, so for example, to have a guru who rises up and teaches is, is nothing compared to the incarnation of a divine being. Mm -hmm. So it, it happens once in the history of the planet. Now, there are avatars, but that's something else. This is a divine incarnation of the second person mm -hmm. of the Trinity, you know, assuming you believe in that stuff, mm -hmm. right? The, the Trinity. Right. And. So that that's that's from the eternal realms, a being comes forth and incarnates into the time space realm in a body. Mm -hmm. That's a massive revelation because you know the Hebrews had this you know fantastic revelation from Moses and from the prophets, but they never saw mm -hmm. the deity as a per, as a human being. I mean, so you know they were without. Uh, you know, then they had a lot of doubts and they really, really, you know, really struggled. I mean, the, most of the Old Testament is a big fight, kind of like, you know, with God. Like, you know, why don't you show yourself? You know, why don't you really show up? Mm -hmm. And this is like the central experience of Job, the mm -hmm. book of Job. It's, he's like, I'm suffering here. We're suffering. It's all this evil. Why don't you show your face? Mm -hmm. You're so hidden. Why is that? You know, mm -hmm. and well, at the end of the book of Job, Job gets this revelation. And God comes out of the whirlwind and she kind of shows himself. Actually, doesn't show himself, shows, has a voice that appears. It's a beautiful, incredible, you know, teaching that, that Job re receives. But, but it, it still leaves you like, well, who is this really? And so out of love, compassion, and compassion, divine, the divine it comes into us as a human being. And, you know, it sounds like this old-fashioned Christian claim that, you know, we don't really believe that anymore. You know, it's just magic. It's just, old, you know, ancient, old fact. But actually, the Urantia book makes it very plausible hmm. and tells you that, you know, the Urantia book has a lot about life on other planets. Hmm. And it says on every planet, you have one great incarnation hmm. because that's the gift that everyone deserves. They deserve to meet deity as a human in human form. It's impossible, really. I'm saying, you know, people bro just broke their brains trying to figure out how they how that could happen. Mm -hmm. And so what we call patristic Christianity, the early Christianity, is how they figured it out. And, and they, you know, it took them 500 years, basically, to say it's possible for God to come into a human body and the two be one person, but it's two wills, two, two wills. And the Rancher book tells you in detail how that could be done. How how deity can be present in a person, and there's the human will and the the will of God, 
in that person. It's totally miraculous. But that's why Jesus was able to do the miracles. It's a person who can switch on the, the, the God part of himself and do uh, unbelievable miracles. And the miracles of, of, of the Bible are affirmed in the Arantia book, almost all of them. I think all of them are affirmed, but you get much more detail. For example, the the great story of the feeding of the 5,000, if you know, with fish, right? You know the story where kind of, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't know their Bible that well. And I didn't either, you know, until I got this stuff from the Rancher book. But um, Jesus was, uh, had people following him around because everybody could see this was a, a great prophet and he was healing people left and right. People were blind. He would give them sight. People were, you know, lame. I mean, everybody saw this. So this crowd was following him. And then suddenly, you know, after hours of teaching, there was no food. Well, they couldn't like send a car somewhere to get some uh, carry out food. So, you know, they had some fish and he, he, he took the fish and multiplied it and fed 5,000 people, and there are, you know, 5,000 witnesses to this. So this story is a very strong story in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's like, who would make up a story like that? Right. So the, the ranch book has a whole chapter on this story, you know, which is like, you know, this long in the Bible. But, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, it's just an unbelievably awesome, uh, you know, thing. So to get that explained uh, is, um, is a gift, uh, you know, it's a, you know, that's why I spend a lot of my life and leisure time trying to get this across. But Christians are so dogmatic that they, they have a hard time with it. You know, and I understand that. Right. Two questions. One thing is I've always struggled with, and I think you're kind of explaining it, and it seems a little bit more helpful the way you're explaining it. But one of the things I always struggled with is how could Jesus be God? And I think he even quotes him as if speaking about God as his father. So how can he be the same guy? And I, I never really got that. <laughs> and two, um, I wonder if you can touch on that as well. I think that it's known from people who have, who have been in seminary that the actual date of, of the crucifixion is kind of not accurate. Like one book says it was before there's like a festival or, and then one of them's after. So it's like some conflicting data. And does that clear that up? Yeah, it clears that up, um, and and um, you know it needed to be cleared up because it's the greatest event in the planet's history. It ought to be ought to be cleared up at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it, you know, he chose to come at that time because of the fact that there was the opportunity because the Roman Empire was so huge, you could get a message out, which they did very well, and. Uh, they knew they would move across the Silk Road to China, which they did in the sixth century. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to get this thing out so that so that you could do a couple of big things, not just the teachings and the appearance of Jesus, but also the sending of, of his spirit. We call that Pentecost. This kind of it's like a cartoon in the Bible, but mm-hmm. the ranch book says it was this real event after his resurrection. After he goes on high, he says, when I get up there, <laughs> I'm going to send my spirit to you so you don't feel lonely, you know, because I've been with you and you're going to miss me. So I'm sending my real spirit, the Holy Spirit, and that will come into you uh, to show you the truth. 
and um, he sent another spirit that's not clearly stated in the in the, in the Bible. It's a big deal and, and a big revelation. In the Rancher book, he sent a spirit into the heart of everybody that's resident there, whereas the Holy Spirit is like around you, and you're like in this field of love, really. But there's something inside. It's literally like in the nervous system, in, in, in the heart, in the brain, really, mm-hmm. is the a fragment, really, of God's self. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a teaching that you get in Quakers. And most of the Christians really miss this or they messed it up. Mm-hmm. That there's like a, a light of God inside you, distinct from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so now back to your other question, your earlier question: so How could Jesus be God? Right. Right. Well, nobody could figure that out, and they said, "Well, how could he be God?" Well, God, God has to keep the universe going. How could he be down here? You know. Mm-hmm. And so they figured that out that uh, because Jesus said so, but it wasn't totally clear that that God has three faces. You know, not just one. Like the Muslims think of God as one without division. But, and Hinduism has God with various faces, you know, the statues, you see that, right? It's different facets. But Christianity has three faces, but they're one, but the three, right? So the one original deity, eternal deity, is what we call the father. It's really mother father. So that's eternal deity at the center of the universe, who has a complemental self, which is really God's self turning around and looking at himself and saying, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm God, <laughs> you know, sort of, it's sort of like you being able to recognize, Oh, I'm me. Right. So God has self-awareness and being deity, being God, God has self-awareness in perfection. Whereas my self-awareness is imperfect, but by definition, God is, has perfect self sense of self. So the sense of self that God has personifies. So it personifies as the so-called son. So it, it steps out, God steps out of himself as a son, mm-hmm. looking at himself, and then the relationship of the two becomes a third face. So this father and son, really the parent and the, and the sibling, divine parent, divine sibling, then has a third face, which is the representation representation of the two. Hmm. So the two uh, have this conjoint being, which represents them. And so that's, that's the third person of the Trinity, but Christ is an incarnation of the second person. Hmm. So the Father cannot incarnate because he's at the center of the universe. He's got to keep things going, right? right. So the Son is, has mobility in a sense. So the son is able to incarnate, but the Rancher book shows that, you know, that the son is actually more to the son than what we get in the Bible, but it's basically the right principle that deity can fold in and fold out, right? It folds in as one, folds out as, as revelation. So when it's fold in as one, that's what the Muslims got. Clearly they got Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. the unity, but it's also diversity. So it, when it wants to fold out and show itself, it comes as three, and then the three has permutations. Mm. So the three permutation of three goes to seven, 
That's why Severn is sacred. So, so we can get into that later, maybe. But it's the same revelation in the in the Tao Te Ching, right? This the one becomes three, and then becomes many. That's the first line of the Tao Te Ching, right? So it's it's a principle that's been known on the planet, uh, and that one one has many and one, and that's so that's how God the Father, Creator Father, can have a representation who is fully God. Because God can do different things, has different functions. So I don't want to get too theological, but I, actually, I just finished a, a seminary degree myself. Hmm. I didn't put that in the bio, but I just completed it. Right. I was remembering now as you were speaking, the the one that the inconsistency was, well, did he die before Passover or after Passover? That's what I, I don't know why I couldn't remember that. But anyways, let me ask you this, and you might be able to answer this. And I've always, I think people kind of use these terms synonymously but what is the difference between a spirit and a soul yeah great awesome excellent glad you that's the main topic of my last book oh okay yeah because it's actually because it what happened is in in ancient times there was a distinction between spirit and soul and it was in greek philosophy but it was not really clear hmm. And the Hebrews had their own distinctions. So the Greeks are over here in Athens. The Hebrews are over here in Jerusalem. And then Christ comes in the middle of that. And they couldn't translate it that well. So what happened is they they conflated the two words. And the Greek words are psychi and, um, and uh, pnevma. Like pnevma is the word we use for pneumonia, right? Hmm. That's the root word, which means breath. So uh, the spirit or pnevma is distinct from the psyche or the mind, you know, the soul. So that was in there, but they lost it. They messed it up. They, they, so they didn't clearly get it that there is a spirit in you, as I said, that was conferred upon everybody by Christ, two spirits, the Holy Spirit, which surrounds you as a field, a field and then the spirit inside of you, so the spirit inside of you is not the soul. And everybody gets that uh, uh, because we don't have good definitions. And I've been really, I spent like 10 years on this research. There's a lot of definitions. <laughs> They're not all over the map. But the Rancher book, in my view, clears up the definition that the soul is the evolving part of the spiritual self. But the core of the spiritual self is eternal. So it can't evolve. <laughs> and that's a pretty wild thing to, to, to think about, that there's an eternal part of God in me that doesn't evolve. But what it does is it works with your mind. So the mind is, is, is just the mind. It's like animals have minds, right? Mm. So the, But we have this more advanced mind. And we have this spirit inside of the mind, mind-heart, which is stimulating us for to have higher values and higher ideals. So the inspirations you get often come from that higher self. What in the New Age we call it the higher self, right? Or if you're in twelve step, you call it the, you know, the higher power. Mm -hmm. Same thing, right? But this is a pure concept, and that doesn't evolve. You know, the higher self is the higher self. So it's catalyzing. Its work is to catalyze 
the growth of some third thing. It's not the mind, and it's not the spirit. It's in between. So it partakes of the mind and the spirit. So imagine that there's a substantial thing called the mind. The mind is really quite advanced, but it's not the spirit. The mind can have awareness and consciousness. That's a major deal. But the spirit up here has basically infinite consciousness. It too has consciousness. So every time that the mind, and the mind has to do it, right? Every time the mind makes a decision that's of higher value, a record is made of it. Mm. So it's sort of like that there's some mechanism that hits the save button. Whenever you make a, 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 a choice that has value in the universe, like I decide uh, to help a friend who's sick. I decide to you know, get married because I'm in love. You know, big decisions, but even small decisions, but they have to have significance in the decision not just like whether to have scrambled eggs in the morning, but a, a value choice. So every time that happens, the universe gets into action and saves that. So the Hindus might, you know, you might've heard of the Akashic record, right? So, mm-hmm. so there's a record like that, but it's a perfect record. And as you know, uh, Jeff, from NDEs and from uh, life review, the life review is a perfect record, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, most of them, <clears throat> not all of them, but most of them state that it's like a perfect record that plays back in the life review. Mm-hmm. So uh, the point of departure for my research is how is that like the NDE um, stories that we're hearing mm-hmm. in the Rancho book is telling us that a perfect record is being made. And at death, it doesn't say this uh, right out. But we now know that after, right after death, it plays back. So you can know yourself for the ascent in heaven. And so self-knowledge. But in the meantime, as you're maturing in your life, you get little playbacks of your life, right? Little memories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm in my 60s. and I, I now have moments of like, wow, man, you know, I remember when I was six years old and this happened and it just comes to you. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, it's like the, the life review of an NDE mm-hmm. can happen without having an NDE. Mm-hmm. And we know that from, you know, from all sorts of cases where, you know, people get uh, scared by mm-hmm. something like a lightning bolt, literally. And they're like, see their life go before their eyes. Right. Yeah. And that's life review, kind of a mini version. And I had one, I had a, a near drowning event uh, once, mm. and um, I had a life review before the la- the before the uh, lifeguard pulled me out. I had a life review, and so I had a mini life review. I didn't die, but mm. but I've had uh, I'm beginning to have more life review moments because it's in the soul. So it's not the material mind, the memory of the mind of the brain. It's it's the memory. That is not, it's non-physical memory, but it's soul memory. Mm-hmm. But that's your soul. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's in here. So that, that's what we think from the ranch book. So the ranch book explains in great detail how the memory gets laid down. It's like a hard drive. But the, what's laying it down onto the hard drive of the soul is the spirit self. Mm-hmm. So the spirit self is uniquely competent 
to make these uh, hit the save button. And um, so you're not doing it. It's unconscious, obviously. So it, it goes, oh, I'm going to save that, save that, save that, save that. Uh, this guy's on a roll. I'm going to save this whole thing, right? So that goes into the, into the hard drive of the soul. So, you know, what we're trying to do, according to the Arantia teaching, and common sense, I would say, is grow quantity of soul, you know, get it bigger. Mm-hmm. But there's another dimension. There's, there's also a qualitative dimension. Is you have like let's say there's a horizontal dimension which is the quantity of the soul, mm-hmm. all the good things you've done all added up, and then you have another dimension which is the vertical which is the quality of your soul. So the quality it's the quality of your decisions rather than the quantity. So high quality decision might be become a violinist and learn how to play. Uh, uh, classical violin, you know, that, that's quality choices, you know, music and depth of, of art, right? So that, that makes the soul more resonant and high quality. Uh, but, but you can have a person who's a, who's, a, who's, a, you know, who's a really good politician who really does gets the job done and is always going around to his constituents and doing good things and just doing a high quant- quantity of good things. Mm-hmm. Or a CEO who really does a great job of building a company we don't think of that as high quality. We think of that as quantity. It's building a profitable company and putting out a great product. Mm-hmm. So that's somebody that's growing this way, but maybe they're not growing this way as much. But if you had a monk, you know, in a, you know, sitting in a monastery, mm-hmm. they're going to get a high quality soul, but not much quantity. Right. Because they're not out serving and doing things. Mm-hmm. So, so this quantitative growth is, is fine. Uh, but uh, but the ideal would be to have both. Mm-hmm. So my book actually talks about how to grow high quality and high quantity soul. And the best example of that is Christ. Mm-hmm. No surprise. When someone has a near-death experience and they say that they're out of their body, they you know it's very common. I hear that they arrive at a beautiful garden seeing colors that they normally can't see. And the garden is like the gateway and, that you know they have to go beyond it if they're if they're not coming back. But when a person is experiencing that, would you say that their spirit and their soul has left their body? The mind is still in the body, and they're now experiencing that with just spirit and soul, and you and they're still experiencing consciousness with that. I'm saying that you don't need the body and the mind to still experience consciousness. I think you said that before. Right. Uh, let's let's say that the mind is uh, is a, is a kind of substance mm-hmm. that is identifiable and distinct. And what we're saying is we're getting like a higher mind, kind of above it, mm-hmm. and then up here's this spirit which has its own mind, right? So this higher, what we call the mid mind, right? So sort of of the basic mind, then the mid-mind, then the divine mind, really. So this mid-mind is what we think, what I think, is what is ascending uh, in the NDE. And, uh, but, you know, it needs a lot more research based on the Urantia distinctions to know. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I cover for about 75 pages in in the book. But but the mid-mind has self with it. So the selfhood 
distinct personhood is different than the soul. So let, let me get into that if you don't mind, just a sure. little bit. So this is a distinct substance as well. So the Arantia book gives you these very clear definitions that we really need. I mean, you know, just for day to day, we don't need it. But if you're really going to work this out, you need good definitions. So this states that the self is distinct from all these other things. You get the spirit, you get the mind, you get the body, and you get the soul in the middle here, which is which is growing. Mm-hmm. But there's through it is kind of like the backbone, and that's the will and the personhood. Now, the personhood is a new revelation of the Arantia book. What we mean by person is something distinct from all these other things. Mm-hmm. So the person, uh, we call it personality, but now psychology has a different definition. Personality psychology is your behavior. It is not your behavior. This is the person, which you might call the existential self, that it, it's an unchanging like pattern that is you, but in the center of it is a will and the ability to be self-aware. So the self-awareness function is not a function of the mind. The mind has awareness, but not self-awareness. So self-awareness is actually a divine attribute that is brought into the infant, into the embryo, really. It, and, and given uh, to uh, the, you know, the self having the ability to make conscious decisions is not something an animal does with a few exceptions, really, you know, higher primates and maybe elephants, but it's not really still not the same Mm -hmm. to be able to, to make value distinctions and choose among discriminating among values and then choose them. That that's something that only a mind, a a person can do Mm person it's personhood and uh, so that is a divine gift that is in this this assembly of these of these factors, right? So in the NDE, the personhood with its soul leaves behind the body, the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the soul; it's the person and the soul. Mm-hmm. And the person is is a truly metaphysical entity. Uh, and um, a per, a personhood is unique and and basically eternal also Mm -hmm. but that's distinct from the spirit which is like this energy of of brilliant infinite consciousness is distinct from the from the person Mm -hmm. because a person could exist without paying any attention to to the god self Mm -hmm. right so a really evil person would have no relationship to the higher self right Mm -hmm. but it is existing and is operating in the mind and the soul is making little like Hitler was nice to his dog, mm-hmm. they say. So it would make a little record of that. That would go into Hitler's soul. And he had a he had a wife that he loved. I mean, I like guess not a mistress, right? So he loved his mistress, and he loved a few of his friends. But he basically killed off all his friends. But mm-hmm. um, so so he had a little bit of soul, maybe his tiny little thing. And but he had a real self, real person, and a real will. And so, um, so I don't know if that ex- answers some of that, but yeah, uh, you know, I think I think it helps clear it up some. Um, <laughs> so, what does the Arantia book say about after death? Like a lot of people believe that you can, you know, make a decision and come back, and maybe you can have something to do this lifetime. 
Does it say like you have you make choices to come back or do you go on and evolve to another dimension? Right. It says that you go on to another dimension. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm remiss because I didn't even mention that, but it, it really has a massive mm-hmm. revelation of these higher worlds. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, we don't, you know, I think of reincarnation as being some something to it. But it really is from a pre-modern view of the universe. It's pre-scientific cosmology. Mm-hmm. It's really just a universe in which there's the Earth and some stars up there. So within that cosmology, they thought, well, you're just coming back, right? Because there's nowhere up, you know, something beyond the stars, which is probably God. But they didn't have the revelation that we got later, really, Christianity. And in you know, later Hinduism and Buddhism, you know, definitely said, well, there are these higher worlds, but not much detail. But the Urantia book has massive detail about these higher worlds. Hmm. So it's like it's it's like you can't believe it has like the life of Christ, <laughs> plus it's got this whole thing about the afterlife. So I've gone to these NDE conferences and I've given a couple of talks at them and people are like whoa man that this is we don't know any of this stuff you know where did you you know i said ain't me man i got it from this revelatory text mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know i'd have a booth there and they'd be all looking at it and you know to, but it takes about a year to get through it but i mean basically you know all the rancher people you know have this revelation that says when you die you go to a, a series of seven worlds this is the first set of higher worlds mm-hmm. and on the first world like if you're really a like a dark and evil person they hold you there okay and they like you have to go to sunday school uh-huh. and you have to learn moral you know teachings and second second world uh, is is sort of like living in in chicago or something it's it's not very advanced the third world is where people are really getting spiritual for the first time in their existence they're really but fourth world are, are people who are like status of spiritual uh, spiritually advanced so fifth sixth and seventh worlds by the time you get to the seventh world you have fused with the spirit self hmm. and once you do that you you definitely can't go back down hmm. <laughs> so you keep going up and you will have an eternal life and these higher worlds are not like you know on you know, floating on clouds. <laughs> it, they're they're real worlds, and uh, they go on forever and infinitely, really. Hmm. And so the eternal life is not just sort of floating around like the Jetsons or something. You you actually live on spheres, but the spheres are in higher dimensions. Hmm. But it's not like a, a vague, a cloudy kind of heaven. The spheres are actually material spheres. Hmm. So in the higher worlds, they don't have, you know, the hundred, how many elements we have in the atomic chart? hundred something. Yeah. They have double that. So their atomic chart is like 200 plus. Mm-hmm. Ours is like 100 plus. So they have the 100 lower elements and another 100 elements. So these are physical worlds, but they're invisible to us, but in a higher dimension. So the universe is just these higher dimensions all the way up. Mm. So the afterlife is is ascending to these different worlds. And coming into the, these worlds, it's people from other planets, right? 
Because the, the old cosmology had one planet, our planet. Mm. But the Arantia book says that there are there's seven trillion inhabited planets. Wow. So it's like Star Trek. Yeah. And we have very good evidence that the Roddenberry, you know, the writer, producer of Star Trek, was a Urantia student. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know Because what you see there is like the Urantia book mm. on display. Hmm. Not the higher worlds, just other planets, physical worlds, right? Uh, so he doesn't depict higher worlds, but physical worlds all over the universe, right? Hmm. So the Urantiabuses are physical worlds. And and the, the humanoids look different on, on these different worlds. When people, you know, incarnate or are born on this world, are they like brand new souls or have are they coming from somewhere else? I knew to ask that one. So, you know, oh. uh, you know, that's a great question, Jeff. Really, thanks. Oh. <laughs> you really, you bring out the good stuff. I oh, really good. appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so the reason I was a little bit elaborate about these parts mm-hmm. is because I knew it asked this question. Yeah. So, uh, so the, 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 the spiritual self up here mm-hmm. comes into us as a gift from God to the embryo, really. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not to the embryo. The, the the personhood the person because if you've had a, if you had a kid each kid is very distinct personality right mm-hmm. so they're definitely different there's a pattern that's different that comes into the into the into the into the embryo and so that the the, the baby has will and awareness but not much self awareness mm-hmm. so uh, when they ascend or if they grow to the point when they grow to the point that they can make decisions on their own about age five, they receive this spirit, higher self, higher power into themselves, and it begins to stimulate them to make higher choices. And just about that time, the kid's going into first grade and they're beginning to, you know, you can't believe how kids can figure stuff out at age five. And, and it's partially that. Mm. So, so the reason I tell you this is that before birth, you know, God is, is like dispensing, you know, distributing these higher selves to people. Some are virgin, but some are not. So what we think are past lives are that you don't have a virgin God self. Hmm. It's not virgin. It's been in other people. So it has memory. Oh, wow. And it has memory of other people, but it's not their soul. So this is a hard one to get and because it's complicated. So the soul is your possession in eternity. That's you, your property, your sovereign mm-hmm. domain. But if you decide you don't want to ascend into the higher worlds and you don't have to, then your soul goes back to God as as a precious, you know, sort of treasury, treasury to the divine treasury, you might say. But you're gone. Hmm. But the record, there's like, there's actually three records. There's the Akashic record of everything. There's the record in your soul, and, the, and there's a record of your life in the, in the thought, in, in this thing we call the thought adjuster, the we have this technical word called thought adjuster. This God self adjusts your thoughts. So this thought adjuster or this God self 
has memory of the last life. So that's a person who decided not to survive after their death. Mm -hmm. This is up to you. Mm -hmm. And so you think you're, you think it's your own past life, but the rancher book says it is not your own past life. Hmm. It's somebody else's past life. And uh, you can have many of many of those. So if you do have an advanced God self or thought adjuster, you're going to be like a spiritual genius because you've already, your, your God self had experience in dwelling a person. So you think of somebody like Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. he may have had few previous existences, but not him personally. Right. So the God self did. So the God self comes in with a lot of skill. So these kind of people show up very precocious and, and, and he did, you know, and, uh, but uh, the, the uh, people who believe in re reincarnation constantly have this debate with your ranch of people about this. So I think there is a solution, which is that some people really do reincarnate. Hmm. And that's the anomaly for the ranch of people that's anomalous. Hmm. And so there's a rising theory among your ranch of people that reincarnation was a um, an evil sorry not evil but it was it was a uh, it was a redirection of the spiritual growth of the planet that would call was caused by a certain certain fallen entities hmm. and it's very controversial that um, so I didn't cover the fact that planet Earth is unusual on most planets do not have a Holocaust, a Hiroshima, they don't have crazy wars, they don't have famines, they don't have pandemic, you know, they don't have this stuff because they're normal planets. <laughs> most planets are normal. If you think the universe is like this, it ain't like this. The universe doesn't have planets on the verge of blowing themselves up. Mm. That's unsustainable, you know. So there's, you know, to imagine there are billions of planets like this, <laughs> you might as well give it up. Mm -hmm. So the Rancher book is so lengthy and complicated because they're explaining why things are so messed up. First of all, when Jesus came here, they killed him, which has never, hardly ever happened in the universe. Then incarnate, incarnate divine was killed by his own host people. It's, it's a, one of the great crimes of the universe, really. Mm. So why would there be such criminality on our planet, right? So mm -hmm. that's because of the default of the Lucifer Rebellion. So not to get too complicated, but it's an important part of this message, mm. <clears throat> which is that um, the, the, the celestial host of our planet. These are angels that are everywhere, right? So, so the Bible tells us there are seraphim and there are other kinds of angels that minister and love us. So it's possible like one in a million that the angels just give up and go to the dark side. So this was fomented from off planet, higher angels. Mm -hmm. So it's possible for higher angels to go astray and uh, those that are their subordinates follow them. 
and it's kind of a little bit hierarchical. With angels, it's a little bit more hierarchical. So the chief, sort of the chief angel of our planet went to the dark side. Mm. So it kind of became like Darth Vader. Mm. So all the subordinates, but not all of them, most of them, became dark. And, you know, it's pretty scary. Mm. But if you, if you really read your Bible... You see that people were possessed by, you know, by rebellious spirits. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is releasing them, right? He's healing these people and, 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 and their demonic possession. The demons come screeching out of the person. And, the, and they go, stop it. We know who you are. You know, they know who Christ is. Mm-hmm. They've rebelled against him. Why are you doing this to us? You know, they're screeching. It's, it's like a horror movie. But he, he releases them, and, and then they, they heal, right? And um, so that is what happened to our planet. So getting back to reincarnation. So it's believed by some, and I'm beginning to think it could be possible, that reincarnation was a shortcutting of the ascension that is, that is guaranteed to everybody in the afterlife. And afterlife is part of, it's just part of life. Mm-hmm. But these beings had control of the planet. And they had control of kind of the engineering, the metaphys- you know, the, 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 the metaphysical engineering. They could, they could turn switches like software and cause souls to reincarnate. Hmm. So that, is, uh, that strikes me as a good explanation because the Arantia book doesn't, doesn't cover that. Hmm. But since we got the Arantia book, we've had more revelations to the Arantia people. So your friend Alec knows about that. So we can get to that too. But mm. there was more revelation after the Ranch book that said, well, we didn't cover everything in 2,000 pages. Yeah. So they gave us something like 30,000 pages more. Wow. And I published some of that material in, in books. But the additional uh, teaching uh, states that implies that reincarnation was a uh, – a uh, evil uh, plan to keep the assets on the planet, so to speak. So the asset is, is the human being developing a soul. So they wanted to keep that, recycle that forcibly back to the planet. And, uh, and in the, in, in between, in between lives, they would tweak that person's soul. Now this is, this is not proven or anything, but it just seems like the elites on the planet are tied up with this stuff. You know, the so-called dark elites, the cabal, mm-hmm. that are in these bloodlines that may be re- returning and reincarnating to be the sort of dark forces, human force, human dark human forces on the planet that, you know, have been running the show. You know, for a long time. Why do you think some souls choose not to go on? They just decide to, you know, give up and give their soul up. Yeah, I mean, if you were uh, Joseph Mengele at uh, at Auschwitz, torturing people and killing hundreds of people, and then you die, mm-hmm. and you go to heaven, you have a life review. Mm-hmm. And you know how it goes, right? Life review is multi-perspectival. Right. 
So you're seeing what you did through others' eyes. So you see all the pain you created. Right. Right. So there are these angels that are with you. They're saying, now, now, we're going to help you. We're going to rehabilitate you. We're going to give you psychotherapy. We're going Mm -hmm. to give you healing. And it's going to take you a little while. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to ask forgiveness from, you know, six million people. You know, if you're Hitler. And you got to, you know, do this. And if you if you want to do the program, we're going to support you all the way, 100%. You're going to have 100%. It's not going to be like being in a hospital in New York City. I mean, it's going to be 100% high-quality care, hmm. care of your soul, as long as you need, until you, you, you become a loving person. <laughs> and, you know, you might look at this and say, you know, I'm st- I'm, I've already created enough of a mess. And then they're going to come back and say, no, 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 we really mean it. We really want to, mercy is, 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 God pours out mercy to even to you. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? God loves the sinners. God is coming to get the, get to, to save them. This is what God wants to do. So you got, you got, look, we're going to put you in a palace here and have, you know, psychotherapy, psychedelics. I don't know. They're going to really get the, the soul. Your soul is going to get healing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you have to face your life review. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of unpleasant. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they tell us in, in the uh, new, uh, the new information from the rancho, rancho beings <clears throat> that the life review is not once, but you continue doing life review for a very long time. Sort of like you sit down and watch old uh, family movies mm-hmm. and in, in the heavenly realms, you're going to watch, parts of your life with the people that you were in that were in that part of your life. Mm. So might be your kids, might be your spouse, might be your workmates. You're going to people in your church, you're going to watch and look at the things that were perpetrated or the good things. And you're going to go over it and over it and over it to gain lessons Uh, because the lessons learned on earth were uh, extremely poignant, more than they more than lessons in heaven. Because in heaven everything's sort of spelled out, mm-hmm. so it's not that it's not that powerful, really. Mm-hmm. So the life review continues, but I forget your original question. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that was it. Let me ask yeah. you this: If you happen to be a person, let's say like Dr. Martin Luther King, who happens to get a soul that has, you know, been here before, would those experiences affect you in any way negatively? Because it sounds like it kind of affects you positively, but would yeah, it affect you negatively? So again, just a technical uh, correction, which is mm. it's not a soul mm. that you're getting. The soul is sovereign territory of your own and right. cannot be transferable, non-transferable. Right. It's like an insurance policy is non-transferable. Right. So it's your property. But the spirit can be transferable. So right. he gets an experienced God self. Now, could it be? Uh, could it be? So, you know, that's a great question, which needs research. Mm-hmm. I personally think, and many disagree who studied this, mm-hmm. but I think the soul, particularly since it's a soul that decided not to go on, right? I mean, I'm not a soul, but a spirit a spirit that that somebody had that they said, no, I don't want to do this. So the soul goes back to the oversoul. The spirit goes back to the kind of the bosom of God. And God 
says, okay, let's send it down here to Martin Luther King. So there's going to be certain defects in that soul. But technically, it's better to have experience for us than not to have experience. So there's going to be, it's going to be a complex person. Mm-hmm. I think of Winston Churchill, for example, um, very, very incredible person. But he had some big flaws. But he did great things, really great things. So I think of him as getting a complicated God self <laughs> that had some missing things. And you can think of others. I mean, John F. Kennedy mm-hmm. really made some very, very big mistakes, but he did really many great things. So that, that may explain that they have an experienced God self, God fragment, that had flaws. Do you think that most of the people who are geniuses or just have natural abilities like a Beethoven, a Mozart, a Shakespeare, you know, are probably those type of reincarnated spirit? Uh, some, of, some of us do think that. I, I don't think there's enough research, hmm. you know, but it, uh, you know, when you, you start writing symphonies at age five, yeah. yeah, it seems pretty likely. Right. I got a question here. Uh, I think it's from Alec. It says, does this idea of how we humans have multiple parts to make up such as a soul, mind, personality, thought adjuster, does all this apply to ETs as well? Yeah, according to this teaching. That's a great question. Thanks, Alec. Um, you know, the, the um, all beings on all planets, on all universes, have all these components. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there must be some, you know, some tweaking of this because we're told in the Rancho book that on some planets the humans are aquatic. Okay. They're like dolphins, right? So I don't know, you know, but, and, and, but many on some, some worlds have no atmosphere. Mm, Yeah. So they have what they call non breather uh, beings. They don't have lungs. They take in sunlight sort of like photosynthesis. Mm. And so that's a pretty different kind of being. So, but from what we're told, I think it's clearly stated that every being on all planets has really five things we're talking about. At the top of this, actually, is the personhood. That's the highest gift. Mm-hmm. And then right next to that is the spirit self or the thought adjuster or the God fragment. Then right below that is the soul. And right below that is the mind. See how many is that? Four. And then, and then the form, the body. So these are distinct substances. When I say substance, I mean that technically. They're technically different. The constitution of it sort of chemically is different. Mm -hmm. And how that is held together Mm -hmm. is like an alchemical combination, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I believe that the personality is the unifier Mm -hmm. of all these systems. Mm -hmm. So that uh, we're told that every being in the universe has personhood, they have this unifying system, sort of like in software, or not software, but hardware, really, like the system is, is one thing, is one. Well, software and hardware, it, it, it's a unif- unified entity that, that has components that work together if the software is good. Mm. So it's, it's like this, the, the thing that is the system is the, is this, is the personality. Mm-hmm. Okay the unifier of the person. 
you know, when you mentioned a, a being being on photosynthesis, that reminds me of this old show I used to love to watch. It was a sci-fi show called Farscape. One of the characters looked human, but she was all blue, but she was a plant. Oh, cool. And she would go out like near stars and get some photosynthesis going and, you know, recharge and stuff. It was a really great awesome. character. Um, so with an, with all of this in thought that, you know, on different planets, ETs, or they're going through their own kind of lifespan like we are, why are they coming here, in your opinion? Yeah, great. God, uh, listen, this has just been great, Jeff. You know, number one, you are a terrific listener. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, George Nuri is, is this, you know, a listener like you. He really takes you in. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, you know, oh, they don't you. They keep interrupting. So keep it up. It's great. Well, um, why do ETs come here in particular? Mm-hmm. Um, so we think, I think, <laughs> I and my circle of friends that have spent their life on this, mm-hmm. uh, we think this, that because of the Lucifer rebellion that I mentioned, right? So the, 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 the angelic host going dark, now, this also happened on other neighboring planets. And we're told that there are 37 planets like that that are dark hmm. in this big area here where there are a thousand planets and 37 of them went dark. And then beyond that, there are thousands of more planets. But in the local system, what they call the local system. So, that, so we think that's, I think, that some of the visitors are from dark planets. Hmm. So certainly like the reptilians. Hmm. And uh, the ranch book says that there can definitely be a reptilian type of a humanoid being, by the way. Hmm. Um, and uh, so uh, the Draco reptilians are, are definitely dark. <laughs> They're just dark. And so we, th- I think that they may come from one of those rebellion planets. Hmm. Um, but um, other visitors, you know, let's say there are a hundred different races that have been here, but most of them are benign. But some are not. So, so, but the other reason they come is we're in dire, dire, dire straits. And there's never, you know, literally one in a million planets is like this, ready to blow itself up. Mm-hmm. So they come to like scientists, like anthropologists, to study and to help. Mm-hmm. So if you get into the literature and you get it goes into these conferences, you can tell this. A lot of these ETs are here, you know, like the Pleiadians and so many other ones that are giving really important revelations. And even the breeding program, mm-hmm. there's there seems to be a dark side of that and also a good side of that to repopulate the planet with higher genetics. Mm-hmm. So that those, like the woman that had 24... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what was it hybrid right you know that they, they, they'll come and repopulate and i i really think that many are already on the planet many mm. hybrids and and to to enhance the genetic pool so that's one purpose mm. uh, but another purpose is to approach governments you know so be, we know that eisenhower was approached by by dark ets and 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 not and benign ets I mean, we think. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the documents are there. So he he went with the dark guys. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! 
you know, it's interesting. Michael Sala, you know, really, I think the world's leading author on this, Michael Sala, PhD, you know, uh, he was at a you know, you know, university, he was kicked out of the university, he's written all these great books, but mm. I think he pretty much proves that, shows that, 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 you know, they made the wrong choice and went with the bad guys. Hmm. You've given me much more information about that than I've, already, than I've known, you know, I was just very simple. I was going to say earlier that it's interesting that you mentioned Roddenberry and then you mentioned the reptilians because he did have that one episode where they were battling the Gorn, which looked like a reptile person. I wonder if he got that from the Arantia book. Yeah, it says that there's a number of different types. There's also a number of different atmospheres, a number of different kinds of, you know, if the world is really big, then the people are really short because mm. the gravity is so... Yeah, you know, so you you can't be like more than three feet tall. Mm. I think that's how it works. That makes sense, point. right? So, so yeah, so that have to really tall come from smaller planets. I think that's how, or maybe the other way. Yeah, not that good with physics. I would think maybe it'd probably be the opposite because if you were, the when the moon people are jumping around like crazy, so if they were smaller, maybe they wouldn't be. Yeah, they would fly. They, yeah, they fly off. No, I think. Yeah, I think you're going to be bigger. So, right. yeah. So anyway, th- that's why they're very tall and very short. And oh. you know, the ETs are really short. That makes sense. Let me catch another question here um, from Alec. Do genetics play a part into the development of the soul? That's a good question. Alec always asks asks good questions. So yeah. the uh, genetics uh, interface with uh, the uh, soul may have something to do with. Uh, you know, the switching on of genes that occurs in uh, epigenetic, you know, theory of the theory of epigenetics, right? That consciousness, actually, I pu- just published a book about this by this, this guy who's a doctor, that the consciousness changes the gene, not doesn't change the gene, but it switches genes on or off. Okay. So if the soul is more advanced, then it switches genes on that do more for you. But if you're just like a caveman, then the genes are mainly dormant. You know, there there's higher expressions that never turn on mm-hmm. until you get a more advanced uh, mind and soul. So, uh, you know, a more advanced soul will turn on uh, more capacities in the genome, right, in the genome. And uh, I really believe that. I think that's true. Uh, and I think, you know, the, there's a part of this, that, you know, just to throw another monkey wrench into the discussion is the Rancho book is a, a genetics teaching. That's, uh, can you believe all this stuff is in one book, but it's, it's a very elaborate genetics mm-hmm. teaching. It states that a more advanced uh, genome uh, allows for more advanced expressions of the mind, soul, and spirit mm-hmm. and vice versa. So the mind, soul, and spirit will cause better expression of the genes. So it's it's an interactive mind-body connection that the the epigenome, what they call the epigenome, is the connecting bridge between these things because it's the genes interacting with the mind, with mind, with soul, really. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of really cool esoteric things on that. Where does intelligence play on this? Because, for example, like if you have a dog or a cat, your dog or cat will never understand you leaving the house, going to work, what you do all day and come home. It just knows you leave and come all and come home. And that's just from what I understand, it's just that's the limit of their brain power. 
So do we have a limit or can we become more intelligent or change that? Remember when I said that the deity has three faces. So the father, son, and then the third person, third person of deity is the source of mind. It's the source of all mind. Why is it the source of mind? Because in order to connect things, you need a mind to, to, to make the connection. There has to be a space in which the connection is made. So mind is that field or force that connects things. So the first great mind is the mind of the third person of, of the God, right? because it's connecting this father-son to connect these two very different beings takes mind. So the third person of the Trinity is the cosmic mind. And it's also a person, but it's the source of mind. So mind is conferred on each, each entity, each living being is encircled in mind. So it's like this rope that is lowered down and you get a little piece of the rope, but the rope goes all the way back up to the source creator literally the source creator of mind. So you're connected to that source mind. So in theory, you can have the brilliance and genius of, of the creator mind in theory, right? And so as you're ascending in the afterlife, you're moving toward that source mind. So in theory, really, you, you become one with it. So you have all of its intelligence, but uh, there's other distinctions in there. So animals, are encircled into the divine mind in five circuits. But humans are encircled into the divine mind in seven circuits. So we have seven types of fundamental intelligence, but animals have five, actually, or less, five or less. So animals do not have two types of intelligence, fundamental types. One type is the intelligence of being able to revere something, to actually worship something, because you don't see that animals have religions. Mm -hmm. but primitive men immediately, and women, immediately have a, a weird little religion. They're worshiping a rock or the moon, mm -hmm. because that's, that's an intelligence that is recognizing its source. So that's a kind of intelligence. And then there's a, the seventh uh, circuit, and in some systems they call it the seven rays, right? But the seventh circuit, that meaning the lineage all the way back to the divine mind source, that itself is the intelligence of wisdom, moral intelligence. And so the kinds of intelligences that come along with religion, morality, justice, social justice, interpersonal relationships that are fair, you know, and, and being able to make judgments and discriminations that are fair based on values. That's the seventh thing. And, you know, animals don't exactly have that, but they have little kind of echoes of that, but they don't mm. write books. <laughs> mm. They don't give, they don't give sermons. Right. Mm. And, and they don't have universities. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a kind of intelligence. So there's seven kinds of intelligence actually. Mm. But in, uh, in uh, developmental studies, human developmental studies, they've identified many kinds, many more kinds, like really 15 kinds, mm -hmm. like musical intelligence and mathematical intelligence and that sort of thing. Uh, but I think they're fundamental intelligences. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, 
we uh, there's another way to, to slice that, which is that there are three fundamental kinds of uh, what they call a priori assumptions, a priori meaning always existing, always, always already existing in the mind. And uh, one is the, the three, three fundamental intelligences superseding everything. One is the mathematical ability to count, but in every sense of quantity. Second is the, is the ability to make moral, moral distinctions. And third is this worship thing that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So the, if you boil it down, you get three kinds of intelligence mm-hmm. that are intrinsic to mind as such which was already figured out by uh, Immanuel Kant, the original, the great philosopher, hmm. basically said that. Right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned worship, because I sometimes tell my wife or my kids that somehow worship is programmed into humans, because it's either we're worshiping God or we're worshiping a musician or an actor or an athlete, but... You know, people may not say they worship your religion, but they're worshiping somebody. Totally right on. Mm-hmm. That, and that comes from this, this, you know, I mean, it's kind of obvious. And, yeah. and that's really what Judeo-Christianity is, because the Jews were like this basic primitive people mm-hmm. that were kind of chosen to be the place where Christ could incarnate. And they had mm-hmm. to have some people that had some idea of God. So they had this fairly intelligent group. And they were all uh, worshiping the wrong gods mm-hmm. the whole time. If you really read the Bible, they're always astray. They're always worshiping a rock or a gold or, yeah. you know, and, and so God had to come in and, you know, slap them around and say, no, I'm <laughs> invisible. I'm invisible. I'm not an idol. I'm infinite. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm the God of all people, not just your people. So uh, that's and so they were shaped to become monotheistic, which is the highest you can get, more or less. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you this: Is I'm going to kind of change here a little bit. Um, if someone wa- is a beginner and wants to get into the Rancher book, do they buy the book? And would your book be like a good companion to it, or you know? If not your book, is there something else that you recommend if you're a beginner with Urantia to, to kind of help break it down for you? You know, it's not unless you're a, a person of leisure who has a, um, a tremendous amount of curiosity and a tremendous, like, you know, kind of intellectual background, really. Mm-hmm. The Rancher book is pretty rough, right? except part four. So four parts. Mm-hmm. First part is super duper cosmic. It's like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Well, part, first part is actually theological and angels. Second part is more like Star Trek. Hmm. Third part is the history of the planet. I mean, a real big history of the planet. Fourth part is the life of Christ. Hmm. So everybody could read that. So I would read that, but I would, uh, you know, they can go to my website and just email me. I'm happy to do it. This is my, my work, my mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, evolving-souls.org evolving-souls.org mm-hmm. just email me you know and I'll, I'll send them resources to get started my book is a little bit intermediate it's not you know unless unless they're really into you know soul and psychology and philosophy mm-hmm. that it, they'll love it mm-hmm. they'll love my book but it's not really beginner book. Mm-hmm. there are other beginner things right. not many not many and, and and there will be many and uh but I would, 
suggests that they take the religious point of view first mm-hmm. rather than cosmological, historical, scientific, get into the faith, get into grasping the beauty of the spirit mm-hmm. that is transmitted in this text. It's so sublime. I mean, I've had so many times of ecstasy and bliss mm-hmm. from just, oh man, now I get this. Wow. Yet how loved I am, you know? And, and mm-hmm. so the fourth part really gets that across. Yeah. So I was third there. Yeah, that's very sensible. I believe you've written other books as well, and also on your on your rancher, or are they on other things? Um, I have uh, produced uh, books on a variety of things. One kind of the politics of the rancher, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, it's called One World Democracy. It's, it advocates democracy for the whole world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote with uh, another person um, a. Actually, uh, two books that are channeled from Urantia beings. Mm. So that was actually channeled by this guy, edited by me. And, and there's four other channeled books like that. They're channeled by the Urantia beings, mm-hmm. telling you about the Urantia book. Mm. And uh, those are uh, at my website, too. Mm. And the best of those is something called The Center Within, which was a fabulous teaching given to a Urantia group by this celestial being. And this guy channeled it for like two years and it's just perfect beginner lessons, perfect beginner lessons. Mm. That's the best one. It's called the center within, which I edited and published, (laughs) but some after that, there's something called Mm -hmm. the adventure of being human. This two volume thing I mentioned, Mm -hmm. which George Nuri loved. Mm. And uh, that, uh, that is Brilliant teachings, high teachings from the Rancha Christ. Mm. And uh, I shouldn't uh, close before I, I explain that in the Rancha book, it's not just a male hierarchy kind of thing, which we have in Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's female counterparts all the way up the line, right? Mm-hmm. So deity, uh, God is not mother, it's not, has no gender, but deity is personal but at the local universe level deity is is gender Hmm. so christ is actually male Mm -hmm. in heaven Hmm. in his heavenly existence but has a female consort so there's another great revelation right so there's christ and 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 the what we call the mother of mother spirit these two are the creators of this local universe so it's male female and they truly are male and female now i forgot your original question <laughs> sorry oh that's okay um, that doesn't matter well anyway so so the, the the this a pair deity pair this male female so if you look at like catholic images sometimes christ and virgin mary are equal mm-hmm. so they kind of got they kind of got it but it's not Virgin Mary. It's an actual deity. Mm-hmm. And she and, and Christ are one, but they're, they're actually gendered personalities. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we got on that. Oh, yeah. So the book is channeled by both of them. Mm-hmm. So it's very sublime and not easy to channel. Mm-hmm. But this guy's been channeling them for 12 years. Wow. So we put out, he's got like 350 lessons. We put out 40 of the lessons. They're really great lessons. That's introductory material. 
also for the Rancher book, but it's, 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 it's almost like a self-help books. Mm. That's amazing. I could keep this going on longer and longer, but as as most of my listeners know, I have a time limit because these files take a long time to edit, but um, I hope you do come back. Once again, what is the best way to contact you? Do you have a Facebook page too, or do you just best to contact you on your website? I'm kind of an old guy, so I don't really do Facebook. So just go to the website, evolving-souls.org. 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 Okay, great. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, can you give us one last message here before we go? Maybe something positive here for the weekend, for the Thanksgiving weekend? Well, we actually told in the Teachings of Christ in the Rancher book, Thanksgiving is the best approach to God. So to start out by giving thanks opens mm-hmm. your heart. So you need to open the heart. Mm-hmm. And the mind, that's good too, but the feeling life has to be open and, and you open by giving thanks for everything. Even if you're dying of cancer, give thanks. Give thanks for your life. Give thanks for everything. Even if you've got nothing, give thanks mm-hmm. for your body, your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that I would say that I am personally incredibly grateful you know for everything around me it's it's miraculous i mean you know and so thanksgiving is a symbol of that so you know just not just you know give thanks for the sky and, and the trees and the and the life itself the gift of life and the gift of a soul mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's you know, in closing to know that we're loved and that's why we need to give thanks yeah that's a great message because it's so funny that about a month or two ago, I heard someone else say, you need just implement this in your life every day. And I've started to do that. I've been pretty good. Although it's like I've done it for so long, it's hard to th- keep thinking of new things to be thankful of. But just every day, write down three things that you're thankful for. Yeah, it's not even verbal. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an attitude of the heart mm-hmm. of gladness. It's the heart of prayer, really. Mm-hmm. Just being glad for things, just for no reason. You don't have to have a reason or a list. It's 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 joy that's just just self-existing joy because it's really there. Yeah, just open to that to that already existing goodness, basic goodness. Yeah, and be thank thankful for it. Yeah, that's great. All right, Byron, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, um, and I wish you the best. Jeff, I love working with you. Yeah. Thanks. I'll come back sometime. All right. Great. Thank you. Be well. You too.